And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. To end 2021 here at The Athletic, we're talking to each of the North American soccer verticals, eight full-time staff writers, about their favorite story that they wrote this past year. Today, Matt Pence discusses his profile of U.S. Women's National Team and North Carolina Courage forward Lynn Williams. It's a great profile that was written early in 2021. And looking back at it is an interesting study in how much the circumstances of a story can change over the course of a year. I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for Wednesday, December 29th. But first, your TV guide for today. As always, all times are Eastern. At 2.30 p.m., Chelsea vs. Brighton, that'll be on Peacock. At 2.15, Brentford vs. Manchester City on NBCSN, so very relevant day in the title race in the Premier League. At 2.45 p.m., if you're in the mood for some Scottish Premier League action, Aberdeen takes on Rangers. That'll be on Paramount+. Plus. Okay, once again, we're having everybody talk about their favorite stories of 2021 here on the Athletics North American Soccer Vertical. And today I have Matt Pence with me. And Matt, as your favorite story of the year, you chose one that's like a few others on the list in the sense that it was published back in March or February. And I honestly thought it was last year's story. I thought it was a 2020 uh, story, but it's not. It's It's your profile of U.S. Women's National Team and North Carolina Courage Forward. Lynn Williams. Uh, it was released on February 3rd. It also has the shortest headline of any piece we've been covering on any of these episodes. The headline is quite simple. The Rise of Lynn Williams. It's a very good story that will be linked in the show notes. Uh, Matt, let's start with this. Like I'm starting with everybody else. Why did you pursue this particular story, this particular profile? Uh, sort of what's the what's the origin there? Yeah. So um, at the beginning of the year, I was trying to get into a little bit more uh, just helping out um, our colleague Meg Linehan with the U.S. women's national team coverage and kind of talking to her about different story ideas. And I've kind of always gravitated towards the fringe of that team, um, probably yeah. because it's like the, the stars are still well, well established. It's kind of like, well, what new are you going to write about? But I've also been fascinated by these players who are so, so good in their own right but this team is just so competitive and so hard to break into. And so I've always kind of been fascinated by that. Like, how do you cope with this like very hard ceiling on a lot of these careers? And up until that point, um, I think Lynn was a really good example of somebody who was just tearing up the NWSL, but it really had to fight to even get to the edge of the national team kind of picture there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think this story is actually, I'm glad you chose it because I think it's a great example of how much a story and a, and the, a player's whole uh, situation can can change over the course of a year. I mean, I think at this point, Lynn is pretty well established in, in the U.S. Women's National Team and is to a certain extent seen as somebody that will be relied, up, relied upon in the next year, at least. Yeah. It seems to be the indication. Um, but what, as you were doing this profile, who did you talk to? And I know that like, 
the most notable name is obviously Lynn Williams herself. And I think it's notable that I believe her reputation is not, was not necessarily somebody that opened up very much about herself and, and her background, but she really did in, in, in this story. Yeah, it was one of those ones where it was kind of still at the stage where we were all trying to figure out like the best way to do interviews now, uh, which again, <laughs> yeah. feels, which again, why I think it feels so long ago. Um, but we talked over a series of, I think, three or four different Zoom calls, which always helps for sure. Um, and yeah, and I mean, I, I talked to, to uh, Sam Mewis. I talked to Jessica McDonald about just their perspective on her. They were both very good in terms of providing some context. Yeah, Lynn herself, she always had the reputation for being like one of like the nicest people in the women's game, but also, yeah, a little bit guarded when it came to some stuff. And yeah, I mean, she was great to talk to. Um, And yeah, one of my favorite things about this job is like finding these stories that then make you want to like root for the person. I know it's Mm -hmm. supposed to still be objective and all that, but like. I don't know. I think it's cool whenever you kind of like get to know somebody on a deeper level and you want to see this, them succeed. And then she ended up really having a really good year and finding a way to break in for a major tournament and make an impact. And that was really cool. Having gotten all this perspective on all the setbacks she had had to kind of deal with to get to that point. Yes, Matt, I think something you do better than, you know, just about anybody out there is is really finding the personality of, of, of somebody behind a player. And I think the story certainly does that. I don't want to give away too much because the point of these episodes, as I've said over and over and over again, as I've talked to other people, is that we want you to go read these stories if you haven't yet. So we're not going to give away too much of it, but it's a, it's definitely an interesting look. And she talked about, I think, a lot of things that have, weren't really out there uh, in any kind of uh, major way um, before the story came out. I'm curious, though, considering all that and considering uh, that often personal interviews require or are helped, let's say by being in person, what was the biggest difficulty you ran into writing this story um, and reporting it out? Yeah. I mean, I just think that like initial hurdle of like winning over someone's trust via zoom. Right. Because like I said, I I think we talked three or four times in the first interview or two, which was basically all that we're normally doing at this point. Um, it was just kind of clear. There was still like a little bit of a disconnect there. Um, so I think it was just kind of getting over that and like making it clear that I actually wanted to do that story justice and doing all that kind of stuff that you usually do in person, trying to like show someone you're trustworthy. It's a little bit harder on like these boxes. Um, I think that that was kind of the initial challenge there. And what surprised you? Like, what did you learn as you, as you talked to Lynn and and her and her teammates and, and all of that? Yeah, I think her background was a little bit surprising to me as I dug more into it. Um, I think a lot of players in American soccer, this is a little bit painting with a broad brush, but a lot of players like you have to have a certain level of like financial support growing up to do this Um, just because there's a barrier of entry for a lot of different people. Um, And so like just the fact that that her family was was pretty working class and she was kind of off the grid. Um, and she didn't really play a lot of club soccer growing up. She played at Pepperdine, which was an irony of this story that I, I noted was that like, it was kind of made out like Pepperdine was this like outpost in soccer. And it was a really tough time to not be able to go to like UNC. And I was like, yeah, going to school in Malibu was probably not like the worst thing in the world. Uh, which seems okay to me. Yeah. I don't yeah know. Which <laughs> but I think it was, yeah, just kind of getting to know her family background and realizing kind of how unorthodox it was um, for a player to get to this level, especially on the women's side. 
so I've been asking everybody um, sort of what the reaction is to the to the piece that they wrote. And I think in this one, it's it was probably pretty straightforward. I think, you know, myself and a lot of other people read the story and said, that's a really nice story of Lynn. I had no idea about all this, all, all these things about about her. Um, so instead, I think what's interesting about this story as I'm reading it back, you know, yesterday in, pre- in preparation for talking to you is, so our biggest story of the year on the athletic soccer vertical, and really one of the athletics biggest stories just as a publication, was Meg Linhan's investigation into North Carolina Courage coach Paul Riley and his uh, history of allegations of sexual coercion and all these things. Um, and sort of the, f- kind of, I want to say almost fear and intimidation tactics he used to create the culture at his teams. And this all came out in maybe August or September is when that story came out. Obviously, this story came out in February. And there's a section of it that definitely reads a little bit differently now that we know all these things about Paul, Paul Riley because yeah. uh, she talks about the environment at his Western New York Flash teams, the sort of under, underdog mentality that that he fostered um, and how that helped her and how, how it was good for her. And it's, you know, it, it's just, it's definitely a, one of these uh, things that reads differently now uh, than it probably did at the time. What What is your feeling as you read back over that section? No, 100 um, percent. And I think it it just kind of hits the idea that it's like even the people that help you along the way, like you never know every side of them. Um, and yeah. that's like kind of a side note to what I was saying earlier. It's like I enjoy doing these stories that like help you know someone and help you root for them. What with the caveat that it's like there's only so much you can ever do to like understand a whole portrait of someone. Um, yeah. and, and with Lynn, I know that I just think that it speaks to the fact that, yeah, I mean, he was a successful coach who connected with certain players and brought the best out of them in different ways. Um, and obviously there was a, a much darker side to that on the side. Um, and yeah, and I don't know that I would have like, I would obviously ask her different questions now. Um, sure. <laughs> but like within the context of our interview then, um, I mean, it's impossible to know how much of that that she had seen. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I even just like in my own career, my first boss who like gave me my first job at my small town newspaper ended up kind of having like a scandal that was really unfortunate in his personal life that like, but he still helped me in a lot of ways professionally. Um, and I think that yeah. it's probably kind of similar for Lynn that it's like there are people that help you along the way um, that also might have have those kind of side side aspects to them. And once again, it's just one of those things, you know, I'm certainly not saying that you should have covered it because I don't think any, if, if this was a story that was so obvious that it had to be covered, then it would have been written probably years ago. Yeah. Um, that's the whole thing about that story. Uh, but it is definitely like, I think I'm glad you chose the story for this reason. It's, it's proof of about how much these things can, can change over time and how, how differently we look upon certain people in certain subjects, uh, even in something like soccer over the course of a single year. And it's just, it's just interesting to think about. Um, yeah. And it's also like, I mean, I feel like with, with Paul Riley and his reputation and everything, I think there was probably, and I talked to a couple of different people and there, I guess the, the risk would have been leaning a little bit too farther into being like, Oh, look at how much he has shaped her and her career being this amazing coach. So I guess sure. in retrospect, I'm glad we kept it closer to Lynn herself when it came to that aspect of it. Yeah, there's there's certainly not a lot of like thank God Paul Riley came along and and made her better. I don't think there's that's really the 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 tone of the of the piece at all. It's more so that like these teams had an underdog mentality and Lynn always feels like an underdog and that's the way it was. Um 
anyway, given all of that and everything that we've talked about, when you think back on this story, maybe a year from now, two years from now, what's the first thing that's going to pop into your mind? Yeah, I mean, I think in retrospect, probably like watching the Olympics then and seeing the impact that she was able to make. Um, Yeah. And and just like following from here, it's going to be interesting because like you said, I mean, she's a much more reliable contributor now and and kind of an integral part of the team. But it's like you never know with that team and things change so quick. Um, So I'll be interested to see how long she can keep it going. Um, I think reading it back through kind of like the lead to the last section about her talking about how like still even at this point or the beginning of this year, how she still kind of felt a little bit of an imposter syndrome alongside these big stars. I would be curious to ask her now if that's really changed. I would suspect that it hasn't totally. She seems to kind of have that personality that will always kind of be grateful for this opportunity given how late in her career it came. Um, And so probably that just, it's always refreshing kind of talking to these athletes who have this like self-awareness that I feel like probably a lot of us do where you don't always maybe feel like you totally belong or you're always having to prove yourself or whatever. Um, And so I think that aspect of it and then kind of watching her then find a way to, to kind of come through and reach her potential at a stage that she really wanted to. Well, Matt, it's a, it's a great story and it's great to read back on um, and I'm glad you did it. And I'm looking forward to more stories like that in the future in 2022. Thank you so much for your work this year. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Have a great holiday. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can get 33% off a year subscription by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thanks for listening, and happy soccer to you all. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.